All around his Transylvanian castle of Bran, Vlad Dracul had impaled 20,000 men so that they slid down slowly on the stake, inch by inch, until it came out of their mouths. Before they could die, this moaning, screaming forest of pain and blood was his announcement to the world that he was to be obeyed. He had enough cruelty and hatred to torture and kill many more men, women, children, and animals, and his wickedness would birth the legend of Dracula and the vampires. His real reputation was actually much, much worse. Other methods of execution included skinning and boiling, and he once hammered nails into the heads of foreign ambassadors who refused to remove their hats at his court. Such was the bloodthirstiness that it was also rumored he drank the blood of his victims and feasted on their flesh. Vlad the Impaler. Another episode of Blind History with Anthony Medera, CEO of Taylor Blinds and Shudders, me, Gareth Cliff, and today someone really grisly and grim. Vlad the Impaler. You wanted to cover this guy. Apparently, Dracula was based on Vlad. Um, we would say it's loosely based on Vlad. If you look at Dracula, tall, pale face, very handsome. Women love him. Men fear him. Mm-hmm. Vlad, short, stocky, bushy eyebrows, protruding temples, which make, make him look like he's got a massive head. Mm-hmm. Long nose. Not good. Scary looking. Yeah. But loved gore. He loved hurting people, watching them die slowly. We spoke a little bit in the beginning about impaling. He used to blunt the stake so that the stake would go slowly through the the, the, the different. Apparently, he'd oil the end though, just so it could get in there and then. And it was blunt. Slide down over hours or. Or days. And he'd build it in concentric forms around his castle oh in the my town. God. So he was, he was very particular and quite strict hmm. in the way he lined his victims up. It was said that he really wanted to work hard on eliminating poverty. So he invited all the, the peasants and the mentally ill to his castle. And the physically disabled. Physically disabled. And he, he gave a huge banquet for them, which was fantastic as a prince. And they ate and ate and ate. Ate, and they were very, very happy. He closed the doors and burnt them to death. He eradicated poverty. So he did his bit for his, for his region. Well, the surname Dracul, which means dragon. There was a mysterious order of the dragon, which was begun by, I think, the Hungarian king or the Holy Roman Emperor at the time. And he was brought into this when he was about four years old. His father was a member too. They took their surname from it, Dracul. And he wasn't really a king. Later on, he established himself as a king, but he and his father and his greater family were more sort of Wallachian nobility um, of a certain kind. Their big geopolitical issue in that place, which is modern Romania, more or less, Transylvania, was the Ottomans, the Turks, who were putting pressure on the Balkans, obviously, from that point of view. They were, they were, they were militarily on the ascent. They were also uh, obviously Muslims, whereas the original, the Serbian, uh, Romanian, Transylvanian population was Christian. There was this constant tension between the two. And in fact, I think one of the reasons why this guy was such a misfit is because his father sent him off as a hostage at age four or something to go and live with the Turks. 
And while he was there, he was very badly behaved, and he was punished. So they wanted to prove that his dad would remain loyal to to the Ottomans. They told his dad, "Look, you better send your two sons." So he sent his youngest son, and then Vlad, who was the middle son, they sent him to the Ottoman court where they were kidnapped. I put it in inverted commas because they um, they were taught. They did learn science. They learned languages. That helped him because he was a terrorist. He, he used to infiltrate in all different ways to pretend he was a Turk. So they learned all different languages, philosophy, religion. And well, he wasn't badly treated, but he was so badly behaved. Yeah. So what? But he they hated. Punished, they used to whip him and beat him. They used to whip him and beat him. And he. So Radu, he's young. They called him Radu the Handsome. He he loved it there, and he became very very good friends with the Sultan's son Mehmet the Second. And we'll hear a little bit about him later. But Vlad hated it. He was insolent. He he was he had a fiery character, and they had to beat him to keep him. Under control, and in the end, they they, said, I can't who says there aren't bad eggs? I mean, this is just a bad person from day one, and he just won't go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. what, so they thought, no, he has a good move. We're going to appoint him as a puppet prince in Wallachia again, and so he went there, and then um, the Hungarians came and chased him away. And so obviously, he, he lasted literally a few months, but. He has where he showed his metal. He was extremely brave, and he was always at the forefront of each battle. So he went to the Hungarians and said, listen, you can't just kick me out. Yeah. And he explained to them who he was and why he hated the Ottomans. Well, he did. Lifelong. Lifelong. Mm. And they believed him, and they looked after him. So that was where he, he had the opportunity to go back and take back the kingdom for the Dracules finally. Right, and, and he was installed sort of by the Hungarians. Correct. Yeah. But he was he was Dracula, yes. and that's where they say Bram Stoker got the name from because Dracula is really the son of Dracul. And I think in modern day Romania, it also refers to devil. Well, the dragon it comes from the dragon. Um, yeah, he he was definitely disturbed, but but he had a, a lasting influence on the area, and there are people who still regard him as being quite interesting. One of them is Prince Charles, who claims him as an ancestor, and he is. And is fascinated with the history of Transylvania. In fact, Charles wanted to buy the castle that Vlad the Dracul lived in and, uh, and spend some of the uh, winter holidays there. A little bit uh, twisted. There might just be a bit of that blood in him after yeah, all. That wouldn't surprise but me. But didn't he invite – I mean I, I just want to quote again from this book because he, he was invited or he invited rather a whole bunch of boyars, the, the Hungarians – to join him for Easter Sunday one year. And he killed the oldest in every family and enslaved everyone who was still young enough to work. Many of them died working on new fortifications for his castles in conditions so severe that their clothes disintegrated, leaving them naked. I mean, what's wrong with this dude? And also adulterous. You, would, you wouldn't want to be oh, adulterous. He'd cut off your breasts. And then put them in your mouth as if you were eating them. Sewed them to your mouth. And put you out so that your whole body was displayed and you were not allowed to be taken down until you'd actually started to rot off the poles. Just a savory guy. The interesting part was he was a thorn in the side for the Ottomans. So he kept going insurgencies across the Danube and trying to take territories here and there or just messing around with them. He employed terrorism in those days. He used to infiltrate, pretending he was a Turk, take his best men, and then just kill everybody. He killed 20,000 Turks and then put them up in a forest of bodies, impaled them. And that was the final straw for Mehmet II. Mehmet had become the Sultan. Sultan. And he later on is revered in history 
as taking the city of Constantinople. Which was impossible to take because it was well fortified. It was yes. on the Bosphorus, all of that stuff. Yeah. Constantine the Great, a thousand years before it built the greatest city in the world. And so many had tried to take the city. So Mehmet was preparing himself to take the city. So he got cannons. He built ships. He, he trained his troops. And then this person across the Danube kept killing all his people. So he decided, no, I'm going to take you out. So then when he arrived on the scene, he, there was a forest of impaled members. And this is horrifying. 20,000 people in a forest of dead bodies. I mean, I don't think in all of human history there's anything comparable to that in savagery or brutality. Mehmet wanted to turn around and go home. They had to say, listen, stick with it, Sultan. Stick with it. And so he stuck with it. And Vlad knew he was in trouble. So this is where he really is. He's, he's a, he was a real worry. He knew, no, no, I can't fight to Wiley. go up. They've got 100,000 strong yeah. Turks were coming at him. And he only had 20,000, but he bolstered his 20,000 with women and children. <laughs> so to try and build up some, some strength. But so they basically had him surrounded. So the Ottomans set up camp. Vlad went and infiltrated the camp at night. Pretending to be a Turk. Pretending to be a Turk. He caused absolute mayhem and he went in to what he thought was the Sultan's tent to kill him. But it was the tent next door to one of the highest ranking officials and he killed them by mistake. So he could have killed Mehmet II before Mehmet II had taken Constantinople. It would have changed the course of history. Changed everything. Yeah. Then Mehmet was so impressed by this individual and what a strong warrior was he and said, no, I'm going to leave him. And once again, they had to say, listen, we need to finish this. And they did. And leave someone like that alone. It's just unbelievable. Despite a daring attempt to infiltrate the enemy camp, he was overwhelmed by the scale of the Ottoman onslaught. As the Turks surrounded his castle in 1462, his wife jumped from the window, killing herself, while he fled. And he actually ended up going back in to the Hungarians, securing their support a second time, Becoming king for a short while again after that, and then he was deposed, ultimately. But what happened during that time was they actually caught him and they threw him in jail, the Hungarians. The story goes that he was impaling mice in his cell. The little sadist. He was hurting mice and other things that ran into his cell and putting them onto stakes. Exactly. But because he had such – he must have had charisma with those big swollen temples. He managed to woo – the cousin of the king. And so he married her. Yeah, and he was welcomed back into society yes. like there was nothing wrong with him. But then the Ottomans were fed up and they came and they chopped his head off and took it back to Constantinople. Yeah, it was near Bucharest and uh, they say it could even have been his own men who beheaded him at that stage. And it was displayed on a stick in Constantinople. That's the end. Here endeth the lesson on Vlad the Impaler. If your kids start impaling things on, on stakes, send them immediately for psychological counseling and possibly some hardcore drugs. My God. Blind history. And by the way, Radu the Handsome, speaking of blind history, they captured him at some point and they burnt out his eyes and then burnt him to death. There couldn't be more brutality in one chapter of history than at this time. This is the 1400s. Yeah, and they boiled his brother oh my and God. his dad. So that, no wonder Vlad was a bit upset. Oh, what a what a horrible, nasty end for all of the people in that family. And that's why Dracula pales in comparison to Vlad the Impaler. Mm. Dracula seems like a very honourable dude. Exactly. I mean, he would just occasionally seduce a woman and drink her blood. No big deal. I'd rather have that than Vlad the Impaler living on my block. Some sick individual. 
Thank you for listening to Season 2 of Blind History. This is one of the many episodes that we have planned for you, and there are plenty more to come. It's brought to you by Tailored Blinds and Shutters, only on cliffcentral.com.